Just, just to one of the kids and the youth and everybody's going out, just turn to the person near you. Don't, try not to go too far. Just say hi. Just move around a bit. You sat down for a long time. So uh, just... If you're on your own, I'll wave at you. Hello. Seat. Not got too long. So. Happy New Year, everyone. If I haven't greeted you personally yet, Happy New Year. It's still New Year, isn't it? Can we claim that? Can we claim it? We're still in the New Year, aren't we? It's still, unless, well, we'll see. Um, This is my topic for today. I really believe God's just dropped something into my heart around this topic, around this sense of New Year. Um, And this might seem a funny topic initially to talk about a New Year, but I believe it's appropriate. Because you arrive in New Year and it's exciting, isn't it? It's exciting to come into a New Year. We even have fireworks, don't we? Uh, most bizarre situation, really, when, when people get together in groups and gather around the telly and watch fireworks going off somewhere else. I find that really bizarre, um, personally. I don't watch them myself because I've tried it and you just think, well, unless you're there, it's a bit pointless, isn't it? Uh, unless, so, uh, forgive me if you love it. Forgive me if, it, if, if you just love sitting watching fireworks on television, if that's your thing, then I just don't get it. If I'm there, you can go, ooh, ah. Wow! Uh, and you can feel the whole atmosphere. You've got your candy floss and your toffee apple on a stick and whatever else you might... Oh, that's a bit old-fashioned, isn't it? But you know what I mean. You're there and, and the fireworks are going off and it's exciting. But to sit at home with your half-eaten box of Quality Street, uh, it's just not quite got the same atmosphere. But still, nations around the world celebrate and there seems to be a competition to see who's got the best firework display and, and we arrive in the new year and it's all exciting and we get a day off the next day and everyone's excited about that. And then you go back to work and, and, and everyone's okay with that. Uh, and that lasts for a day or two and then you're back into your emails and it's back to normal. Not about right? Yeah? Um, uh, and, but it does last for a week or so, doesn't it? That early, which is why I'm still wishing you a happy new year, because I think we can just about get away with it a couple of weeks into January. Um, but, but that early feeling of, wow, another year, it's a new start. Uh, that optimism of a fresh exercise book at school with a blank page, and you do your neatest handwriting for the first half a page until it all goes horribly wrong again, and you make a mistake, and you, oh, I've ruined it again. That whole feeling of a fresh start lasts a little while, and then reality dawns. And you discover that everybody else is much the same as they were last year. And you discover that you're much the same as you were last year. And it's the same health condition that you forgot about for 24 hours re-emerges. That the same anxieties that you had last year, which is actually just yesterday, kind of re-emerge in a day's time as you go back into life again. And, and we end up noticing that we're much the same as we were before, just the calendar's changed. And I want to talk about that a little bit um, today, really, because the, we can end up noticing that life's carried on, and, uh, and we walk kind of into week two, week three of January, noticing that we're carrying pretty much the same stuff that we were carrying last year. And the hope and anticipation and expectation that suddenly it would all be gone, and we'd start again, is met with the, the reality of life that smacks us around the chops and says, nope, you've still got the same responsibilities you had before. You've got the same pressures, the same hopes, the same dreams, maybe some fresh ones. Maybe you've got fresh dreams, fresh hopes for this new year. That's exciting. You're carrying them too. 
you're carrying maybe a sense of vision for what God wants to do. Add that onto what you're carrying, but you've also got the same responsibility, same pressures, same anxiety, same worries, and everything else that you had last year. You haven't done anything with them, so you've got them. And you walk into another year. Jesus spoke about not new year, but he spoke about stuff we were carrying when he said this. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And I want to talk about this short passage today, whether you're carrying great hope and expectation for this new year. And you're just filled, genuinely filled with optimism. Or whether you're actually aware so much of the responsibilities of this last year and the stuff you're carrying and anxiety and, and some hurt and disappointment maybe about stuff you hoped would happen and didn't. And, and you're just working through some stuff and you're walking into the new year carrying that. I want to speak into that too. And if you find that you're a blend of the two, like most of us are, that's okay because it applies to us too. Jesus promises us in this passage something amazing. If you'll notice, it's, on the first, it's the first word of the third line down. Rest. Isn't that a nice word? Rest. Now, I just need to speak a little bit about this uh, for a moment, just to bring some clarity, because for us, rest is often what you do when you're not doing anything else. Um, I, I think men do this better than women. Now, I don't like generalizing generally about stereotypes. We're giving stereotypes about men and women because they generally fall down. But as a man myself, I can speak a little bit about my own perception and some of the friends I have. That I think some of us men are quite good at doing absolutely nothing. We can, we can do something and it's as if there's a switch at the back of the head that just turns off. And I don't know if that applies to you fellas. No, it's just me. But it's as if suddenly, you, you know, and you get asked the question, what are you thinking about? Nothing. And you, you genuinely are thinking about nothing. It's not that you've got a hidden agenda and you're hiding something. It's just that there's nothing going on. And some of you have seen the, the two brains sketch that uh, I think it's Mark Gungor does that's very funny that illustrates this a little bit more. Uh, but it's not that kind of rest where you're just sitting and there's nothing happening. We'll unpack this in a minute, but the rest Jesus is talking about is very different. It's not the absence of stuff happening. It's not the absence of problems. It's not the absence of burdens. It's not the absence of worries. It's not the absence of anything else. It's rest in the middle of whatever you're going through. He's going to give you rest. That's the promise. What's the promise? If you're weary and you're carrying heavy burdens and you've tried coming to God and you've gone away and you've still got burdens, there's, a, there's going to be a message in what Jesus is saying today for you because he wants to give rest in the middle of carrying those burdens. This passage comes at a time in, in the gospel. It's really interesting. If you've got a Bible, do, do open it at Matthew chapter 11. Uh, and just, you just want to have a look at the chapter before and the chapter after just as I'm speaking. So I want to refer to those a little bit. Um, because Jesus is talking about stuff that's going on that's, that's quite interesting. And I'm, 
I'm not going to read the verses, but just flick back and forward a little bit here to give us some illustrations. Because when a preacher like myself picks out a verse, it sounds great, but you don't necessarily know what's around it. And sometimes what's around it tells you what this verse is talking about, and it can help us. So I want to just kind of keep that one on the, well, keep that in your mind. It's going to go off the screen as I put some other stuff on, but keep that verse there. But it's, it's in the middle. It's like we're looking at a great masterpiece, and I've, I've honed in on a, a tiny piece of it, but I need to just pull out a little bit more so you can see the whole scene, the whole painting, the whole masterpiece, and so we can get a, a perspective of what's going on in this tiny little bit. So that's what the little bit says. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And now we're going to scan out, step back and scan out a little bit more. So I want to ask the question first. What are you carrying? What are you carrying? The bit that's just after this passage, after Jesus said that wonderful verse that's so encouraging and could be meant it uh, could be taken to say, if we come to Jesus, all our worries will disappear. You'll never have an anxious thought ever again. Nothing will ever trouble you. You'll float from one church service to the next, and it will just be glorious. People talk about heaven like that. Heaven as if we're just floating on clouds and there's angels singing. And Sometimes worship leaders can say, Wouldn't, this is what heaven will be like. Just singing, you think, I hope not. Because I love worship and I love singing, but just to stand singing the same song for eternity would be too much, even if it's a good song and it's played really well. It might even get a bit dull. Sorry, Lord. And I'm so pleased that that's not what heaven's all about. But there's an earthly reality. God's creating a new heaven and a new earth, and that's a different topic. And we get to dwell with him. And do loads of stuff. That's another subject for another day. But rest isn't like that either with the absence of stuff happening. And, and, and the next passage. Jesus is walking through the fields on a Saturday. A Sabbath day. A religious day for the Jewish people where they don't work. And his disciples are hungry. And so they begin as they're walking through the fields. And they're allowed to do this on any other day. They begin taking some, some of the heads of grain and eating them. And it's not that they've got a, a scythe out and they're there taking basketfuls. It's not that they're pinching the farmer's crops uh, and there's a kind of a negative. You're allowed, if you're hungry, to walk through and just have a little bit to nibble on. It's okay. But it's on the Sabbath. It's a holy day. And the religious teachers, the Pharisees, are, are watching in and, and, and are commenting on this amongst themselves. And they're concerned and they then highlight this to Jesus saying, look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. And it just may be that some of us are carrying religion and rules. That one of those things that we're walking around with every day is religion and rules. And I want to speak into that for just a moment using this illustration of the Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees were exemplary. Today, they would have been the sought-after speakers if they were Christians and were preaching, their books would sell by the shed load. They would have conferences, they'd have blogging sites, they would be incredibly popular, the Pharisees. Why? Because they spoke with authority, they were godly, their, their prayers were amazing, their teaching was high quality, their families were well-ordered, well-organized, everybody knew what to do, everything was in the right place, 
And from the outside and the inside, if you came up close, you couldn't fault them. They were living for God and looked fabulous. Not just looked it, but they, they were trying to work hard for God and to live for God. And they would have preached brilliantly and, and it would have been amazing. But they missed the point. You see, they're trying to get right with God through their own efforts quite often. And they end up trying to protect the, the law in a way that God didn't want them to protect the law. So God sets out a, a law that says, don't, don't just have a day of rest. Have a day to stop working because I created the universe in six days. I then rested on the seventh. Do the same. Mark it as a holy day. It's a day that marks you out as a people that are different from every other people. It's a day in which you're trusting me for your provision. You're not working to get more. You're trusting me. I'm your provider. It, it, it's a day when actually you're not striving. You're trusting God again. And the Pharisees have put fences around the law to try and protect it. Because they, they, instead of having that sense of relationship with God and love with God at the heart, they've, they're desperately trying to preserve the principles and what looks right and what seems right and what God has said. Because they want to glorify God, which is a wonderful uh, sentiment. It's a wonderful thing to want to do, but they've lost the heart of the relationship with God in the middle of it. And as they're trying harder to please God and seeming so noble, what's actually happened is that they then start pointing out other people's sin. But the disciples aren't actually sinning. They're just going through a field and picking the heads off the grain. The next story after that is where Jesus is healing someone on a Sabbath day. And the Pharisees are again upset. And you, you just begin to see an insight because it goes from eating grain on a Saturday to then healing people on a Saturday, a holy day. Surely, on the day that God set apart to say, trust in me, that's a great day to get healed, isn't it? That's a great day to see the kingdom of God breaking in and to see people set free. No, no, not on a Sabbath. Do that tomorrow, Jesus. And you just, think, you just see how easy it is for religion and rules to get a hold of us. They seem noble, but actually they take us away from Jesus quite often. Uh, we also see that ambition or disappointment can, can be something that we're carrying. And the disciples, if you go back a couple of chapters, the other side of this, this passage, chapter 10, uh, the disciples have been sent out by Jesus and he sent them out to go and preach. And now the disciples, these 12, were an ambitious bunch. They were often comparing one against the other and saying, who's the best? Who's the greatest? Who's, who's Jesus' most favorite? Who's going to sit on the, the right side of, of Jesus when he comes in glory? Who's got the best bragging rights? Who's the, you know, all sorts of things. This discussion going on amongst them. But they wanted, they wanted to go out and see people healed. And they did. They did see people healed and they, see the demon they saw the demon possessed set free and, and they saw amazing things happen. But at the same time, they were also disappointed by what happened at times. You see, they went to some places and people told them to get lost. Maybe not in those words, but they told them to go away or they weren't interested. They went to other places and it didn't seem quite the same. And they, Jesus then promises them that they'll be betrayed. There's, there's a wonderful verse. It's not on many fridges as a fridge magnet. Matthew 10, 22, And all nations will hate you because you're my followers. Matthew 10, 23, When you're persecuted in one town, flee to the next. 
How many conferences have you heard with that as the strap line? Anybody? Come and hear the next prophetic preacher talk about when you're persecuting one town, flee to the next. Anyone ready for that conference? It's going to be exciting. It's going to be great. It's got the DVDs, the T-shirts. No, because we're not into that, are we? We go where it's exciting. But Jesus is telling the disciples this, that this is their reality, that as they follow Jesus, there are going to be times when they're rejected. There are going to be times when they're kicked out. There are going to be times when they're put on trial. There's going to be times when they are disappointed. And it may be that you're carrying, if you're not carrying religion and rules, it may be that you're carrying disappointment from some stuff that you hoped for that hasn't happened in your own life. And you're walking into 2018 and you thought, I I wished I could get rid of this disappointment, but I'm still carrying it because I trusted God. I did. I prayed the right prayer and I trusted God and I did what they said at church and I read my Bible and did all of that stuff and still, look what happened. And we don't always give an adequate answer for that. I believe Jesus does it in this passage. And it might be that you're carrying hope about this coming year, or it might be that you're carrying doubt. You see, the next little bit, all around this one verse that I've read earlier, is a guy called John the Baptist. He came before Jesus to point to Jesus and was baptizing people, preaching and preaching about repentance, getting right with God. And thousands were going out to him, and thousands were responding, and thousands of people were saying, I want to get right with God. I want my life to be right. And they were baptized. And then this little scene we get as John has spent his whole ministry in the wilderness pointing to Jesus is John the Baptist in prison. Can you believe it? John the Baptist in prison. He's been faithful. He's been in the wilderness in, with weird clothes on eating a weird diet, preaching an unsavory message. And here he ends up in prison. And he sends word to to Jesus with his own disciples, John's own disciples going to Jesus and, and saying, are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? Man! I mean, you think you've been faithful. I think I've been faithful. We think we've trusted God a fair bit until religion kicks in and we then go, well, probably I haven't. I've not tried hard enough. I'll try harder and God will be more pleased with me. And we fall into that cycle. But we've kind of done a bit to follow God. But John the Baptist, he was, he was out there, literally, in the wilderness, day after day after day. And now he's in prison. Uh, And he's there, and you get this sense of hope and doubt together. Are you the one we were expecting? Jesus, I was hoping for so much. Or are we to wait for somebody else? Doubt. And maybe today, you've walked in here and you're carrying hope and doubt. And you're walking with these two things. The last one. Jesus himself, the last little bit before he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. He goes into some towns and preaches and does miracles and people are healed, gloriously, wonderfully healed. And he preaches and the towns aren't changed. The healings make no difference. 
The people do not repent. The people do not turn. The healings are there to show people who God is. To say, look, come and trust him. And they don't. They take the healing, go, thanks a lot, and don't care. Jesus himself is rejected. He goes with love and he's rejected. And maybe you've walked into this year carrying rejection. Maybe you've walked in carrying bags of love. But we're carrying stuff as we step into this year. Hopes, ambitions, plans, hurts, disappointments, projects, ideas. What does Jesus say to us? Well, he says this. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Because I am gentle and humble. And you'll find rest for your souls. Come to me, you who are weary and carry burdens. Jesus here, and this is really important, Jesus is the answer. He's not giving answers, he is the answer. If we were doing a course on this, we would do an unburdening yourself course. How to get unburdened in Jesus. Twelve sessions, we'd do a life group on it, um, uh, or a study series on how to be unburdened. And there's kind of some justification in that, but actually Jesus says, come to me. That's the answer. It's you come carrying what you're carrying to Jesus. Just bring it. Just be with him. And this is the bit the Pharisees missed when they were looking at the, the disciples and saying, this is God's day. As they're picking the heads off the grain because they're hungry, it's God's day. You're not honoring God's day. Where are they? In a field with grain. Who are they with? Jesus. Who's Jesus? God. So they're hanging out with God in a field, doing what Jesus is very happy for them to do, and suddenly they're dishonoring God. Can you see the, the foolishness of it? Jesus, in response to religion and rules, says, Come to me. Come to me. Come to me if you're a sinner. Come to me. Come to me in your brokenness. Come to me in your shame. Come to me in the times you've tried and you've failed. Just come. Come, come, and keep coming. He doesn't, once you've come to him and then you've failed and you've tripped up, he doesn't say, oh, go away. His answer is still the same. Come, come back, come to me. And today, if you've been walking with God and you've, there's some stuff in your life which isn't right and you're wrestling with it and you're trying to stop and you can't and you're str struggling and you're in that place of, of being kind of double-minded almost. You want to follow God, but you want to sin as well. And you're not sure the response Jesus has isn't sort yourself out and then come back when you're ready. He says, come. Come to me now, just as you are. Come. But I've fallen so many times. Yeah? Come. Weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you now. The spelling of yoke indicates that we're not talking about the yellow bit in an egg because that would be unusual but we're talking about a sort of something from farming days where you get two oxen plowing a field i guess the plow is plowing a field but they are walking in front of the plow that's then um kind of following on behind and churning up the ground and one ox is joined to another one with a piece of wood and that's called the yoke that piece of wood that joins them together they're yoked together joined and that's what Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. Now, now this is important. 
I would have expected Jesus saying to those who are weary and heavy laden, and you may be in that situation today, come to me and I'll take away all your burdens. There's a verse that says, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And that's what we're encouraged to do. Jesus says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy burdens. So you bring your burdens to Jesus. What's his response? He puts another yoke on you, another burden on you. Hang on a minute. You're meant to be taking these away, Lord. Now I'm going to put something else on you. What? And he puts his yoke on us. Oh, I've still got all this stuff. Yeah, just put my yoke on you. And I think often we've come to Jesus at times and we've gone, Lord, I'm, I'm tired, I'm weary, and we want to give him all our stuff. And we, we spend a bit of time with Jesus and then we go away again to get on and we discover that we're still carrying all the stuff. And we're surprised and somehow disappointed because Jesus hasn't taken away all the stuff we were carrying. But actually he doesn't tell us in this passage that he's going to take it all away. He tells us to put his yoke on us. I want to unpack that just for a moment. This is a yoke, or this is the, the kind of the, the, the yoke of grace versus a yoke of doing it by yourself. Back to the religion bit again. The Pharisees and, and we often try and earn our way into God's good books. If we've, if we've failed, if we've sinned, our default response is to try a bit harder. When we're having a week of prayer and fasting, I've done this before myself and in a, in a previous one that we had. I tripped myself up because I fasted for a bit longer than I'd been able to do before. And I was so proud of myself. And I thought, wow, God will be so pleased. No, because he loved me just the same and he didn't care. Because he cared the same about me as he did before. And it didn't matter to him whatsoever. He just was delighted in me. And my attempts at doing stuff, uh, attempts at praying or attempts at fasting, attempts at anything, can't be to please God and to earn favor because we live in favor. It's ours already because we're his children. Because he is our father. He already delights in us. And so if you're covered with this kind of yoke of self, I've got to do it myself, I've got to earn God's favor, then take it off and put grace on. That's the first thing. Secondly, the yoke is about walking with Jesus through everything you do. The disciples are walking through a field, pinching the grain, and they're where? They're with Jesus. Just before then, they've been sent out by Jesus and they go away and Jesus promises them some success and says, well, you probably get some disappointments too and they come back and then where are they? They're with Jesus. And Jesus is preaching and healing the sick and, and they reject him and where are they? They're with Jesus. And what Jesus is, this is the key bit here. What Jesus is saying is, look, come to me, but also walk with me. Take my yoke. It means everywhere you go, I'll go. Or better, everywhere I go, you'll go. Walk with me. Bring those burdens. Come to me. Put my yoke on. And it doesn't mean I'm going to laden you down with a load more stuff. It means I'm going to walk with you day by day by day by day. And as you go to work and you discover that you've got more emails than you had last year and you've got to clear your inbox again, walk with me. As you discover that your colleague is just as grumpy as they were last year, walk with me. As you discover that the person you've been praying for to get healed and hasn't got healed and in fact they've got worse, walk with me. Walk with me. Walk with me. And David and Magda didn't have time to share the stories that they've, of the things they've seen but, and the people they've prayed for and the people they've been with. But mission is tough, you know. Many of you will, be, will have been here at the time when David was reporting back. I think you were pr even preaching on that day, maybe, when there was news of the explosion in Peshawar and the church. 
and a, and a church suicide bomber blew up a part of a church in a church which was connected with world in need and lots of people died what's the response does does it get easier in mission after that does jesus say oh come you who you know your family's just been blown up come and i'll make it all feel okay now he says come put my yoke on you walk with me walk with me and i And some of you are carrying difficult stuff. And Jesus doesn't treat it lightly. He says, walk with me. And some of you, if you've ever had the privilege of walking with someone who you admire, it's beautiful, isn't it? You just get an hour with them, or half an hour with them, and you walk with them, and you're just like, look who I'm with. Isn't it exciting? And you've got the possibility of learning from them and being with them, and you just feel good. Jesus walks with you as you're carrying rubbish. And you're carrying stuff. He wants to walk with you day by day by day. He wants to walk with you in the middle of it. He's not going to abandon you. And those Christians in Peshawar, he didn't let them down. He didn't abandon them. His encouragement is walk with me. And as they're facing persecution, walk with me. That's what he's offering. And thirdly, this yoke And for many of us, this is true for this coming year. It means putting on the things that Jesus wants us to do and to be and step into. Because I believe this is going to be a year of birth. It's a year of new things starting. It's a year of you, many of us, stepping into the things that God is just placing in our hearts as a seed. And this is the year to say, yes, I'm going to do it. Yes, I'm stepping out. Yes, I'm trusting God. Yes, it's a new season. Yes, I'm putting your yoke on me. I'm not just doing the stuff I've done before, the burdens I'm carrying, my work, my family, my, my friends, my everything else. But actually, God, I'm going to put on, t- I'm going to walk with you and put on the things that you want me to do. And I'm going to step into a new day of fulfilling your destiny in my life. Because I believe that's God's calling for us this year. It's a year of risk. As we were uh, in the prayer meeting, Charles was leading a, a session on mission. And I felt God just speak to me and to, to my life, and I believe for the church too, about expanding our borders. It's a year to expand our borders, to stretch, to think bigger, and to do some stuff that expands. New areas of life and ministry to not be boundaried and small in our thinking. To pick up the call of God and put on the yoke and move into unexplored territories. I believe that there are many people in this room who need to start something new. It might be that you need to start talking to a new person, to start doing something different. You need to, uh, you've, God's already given you an idea, and up until now you've thought, I'm too busy, I'm too tired, there's too much going on. Put God's yoke on you and do it. Carry the purpose of God. Uh, Jesus says, learn from me. I'll, I'll rush through these. Jesus says, learn from me. The, the older oxen is with the younger one. Older oxen is with the younger one, and the younger one learns from the older one. The younger one wants to run off and do all sorts of things, and the older one plods. I don't know this myself, but I've read up on it, okay? So I'm not a farmer. But the younger one is all enthusiastic and wants to go for it at the beginning of the day, and they kind of race off at the beginning of the day, way full of energy, and, and the older ox just plods along. The younger one gets a bit frustrated at the speed, but soon learns that actually the only way to get through the day is to plod. Step by step by step by step by step. And God doesn't plod but he doesn't stop. 
He doesn't try and then get tired and get weary and, and, and fade away. God keeps on pressing on, pressing on, pressing on. And that's the word that we need to be yoked together with Jesus because he's pressing on and he's not stopping. Finally, because I am, you will find rest. Jesus is God. Because he is, we find rest in him. Perfect rest. Our burdens may not go away, but we'll find peace and rest in the middle of them. Paul, the great apostle, spoke about carrying a burden for the churches, didn't he? That nobody else understood, but at the same time he spoke about having contentment in all things. And he's carrying a burden, but he's content and at rest in Jesus. So what do we do? Well, firstly, as we respond, I'm going to land this very quickly. Firstly, we need to recognize our luggage. If you've ever gone on a flight, you've had that marvelous bit at the end of the flight where you're stood by baggage reclaim, hoping that your bag arrives. And you find yourself scanning for other people who might have been on the flight with you. Well, they've got their bag. Where's mine? And you have that bit where you wish you hadn't bought a grey case and not put a teddy bear on the outside of it or something that marks it out as something different. Because as it comes round, there's 15 grey cases. And now is not the time to be opening someone else's suitcase <laughs> and discovering if it's your underpants or theirs in the baggage reclaim. So the first thing you've got to do is recognise your luggage. Today, recognise what you're carrying. It's very easy with a new calendar turn to go, oh, it's all new. Just pause and recognize, what's my baggage? What am I carrying? What are my hopes and dreams? What are my fears? What are my anxieties? What am I bringing with me? If you can't spot any, ask a friend because they'll be able to see what your baggage is if you can't. Genuinely. Be honest. Come to Jesus. Take on his yoke. And take up that new commission for what God wants you to step into. Some of us have been carrying some stuff that we thought is enough for us. But actually, God has a new word to speak and a new call to give and a new yoke to put on us. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you always notice the weary and the heavy laden. You never write them off. You never abandon them. And where there are people in this room today that are just full of expectation and hope, and that's their burden, Lord, you notice that hope and that expectation. Where people are so filled with possibility and just want to get going, Lord, I thank you that you see that and, and you want them to walk with you carrying your yoke on their shoulders. Lord, where others in this room are carrying heavy burdens of disappointment or anxiety or of loss or of grief, or of doubt, or rejection, and just saying, God, where were you? When, where, I've got this stuff that's going on. Jesus, I thank you that you see that too, and your encouragement is just the same. You say, come to me, put my yoke on, and walk with me. And Jesus, I thank you that you're the one who walks with us. Thank you that you never let us go. And I thank you that in the midst of every situation, you can give us your perfect rest in which we live and move and have our being and rejoice in you. Lord, we want to come to you and keep coming to you. And I pray finally, Lord, for anyone who's here who's been stuck in religion 
and we've stuck in that whole works culture of trying harder and trying to impress you and trying to glorify you uh, just to, to, because it feels like a good thing to do and we feel like we're not worthy. Lord, we, I just pray for, f- for revelation that we would come knowing we're not worthy, knowing that actually the thing we can do to glorify you most is just come and receive your grace and receive your love and walk with you as you lead us. So Lord, I pray for freedom in this place, freedom from religion and freedom from carrying our burdens by ourselves that we might instead come to you and walk with you in Jesus' name.